If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, if you would, please. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 56 is our text this morning. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 56 is our text this morning. The word of the Lord. I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, And how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on the earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Then he also said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there is hot weather, and there it is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and the earth, But how is it you do not discern this time? The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that your good and perfect and acceptable will would be accomplished here this morning. Father, keep us from the evil one. May you be glorified this morning. If there would be anyone here this morning who has not yet trusted, placed their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, Father, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that you would give them eyes to see and minds to understand, hearts to love the Lord Jesus Christ, 
not for who they want him to be, but for who he truly is, Lord and Savior. Help them to see that they need to be forgiven of their sin. And forgiveness is only found by trusting, by believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would take your word this morning and apply it to each and every one of us here. You are the one who reads the hearts and minds of your people. You know exactly how to administer your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you be pleased with thy servant to bless my work for your honor and glory for the church's good. Help me to speak boldly, authoritatively. Help me to speak accurately. If I should speak anything amiss, I pray your forgiveness. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Beloved, some have the unbiblical idea that professing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is a miracle cure for all of life's difficulties. Beloved, nothing can be further from the truth. One only needs <clears throat> to consider their pre- and post-conversion experiences. Sure, we experienced various challenges, some of which we easily overcame, while others proved to be a bit more challenging. Nevertheless, life seemed to unfold nicely as our daily, uh, nicely and our daily experiences were not too much different than anyone else's. Prior to saving faith, that was our overall general experience. Life seemed to be unfolding nicely. Yes, we had challenges like everyone else did, but overall, the life experiences that we were having were not too much different than everyone else's. Everyone seemed to be moving in the same direction, experienced the, same, the very similar challenges, and basically uh, a harmony existed between all. Basic harmony existed between everyone. But that changed when Jesus came into our life, didn't it? All that changed when Christ entered our life. One of the very first things we took notice of post-conversion was that we no longer desired to live the life we once lived prior to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We no longer desire to do the things we once did that we were so comfortable with doing prior to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We no longer desire to go to some of the places we once enjoyed going to. Rather than going along to get along with our beloved unbelieving friends and family members, we desired for them that which was given to us by our Heavenly Father. We desired that they too would have eternal life, that they too would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that they too would be forgiven of all of their sins, that they too would be rescued from eternal damnation in hell. We wanted, we want for them the same thing that we have 
a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, Jesus says in John 17.3. And so when we look back and consider some of the responses we received from our unbelieving friends and family members, it was then that we took notice that our faith in Jesus Christ is a controversial subject with those who don't believe. With some, our faith proved to be a bit too controversial because we noticed that some of our longtime friends and family members were no longer reaching out to us as often as they used to. With others, our faith proved to be too controversial because they eventually severed all ties with us. Uh, Phone calls were no longer being returned and when in public spaces, we were avoided. Beloved, experience informs us that believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, being a disciple of the Lord and Savior, being a follower of Christ, being a Christian, is very simply too controversial for some. We could say for many. Our experience not only informs us that being a Christian is controversial and that it results in loss of friendships, strained relations with unbelieving family members, but it also demonstrates the truthfulness of sacred scripture. It demonstrates the truthfulness of sacred scripture. Holy scripture tells us that we will be hated for Jesus' sake. In John's gospel, we find our beloved Lord and Savior preparing the disciples for the world's response to them when it learns that they are his followers. I'd like you to listen very carefully as I read in John's gospel, chapter 15, beginning with verse 18. Listen carefully to what the Lord says here to the disciples. He says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, for that reason, because you are my disciple, because you are my follower, because I've chosen you, because I've taken you out of the world, and brought you into the family of God, essentially what Jesus is saying. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. What Jesus is saying there is that there is going to be some who's going to hate you and they'll persecute you, and then there will be those who will hear you out, they will listen to you, and they will keep your word. They will eventually believe. In 
If I had not done, Jesus says in verse 24, if I have not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have <clears throat> seen and also hated both me and my Father. But this has happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. And so Jesus came and he showed them their sin. And as a result of revealing, opening their eyes to their sin, Jesus is saying, they fulfilled what was written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I, didn't say to you, I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Beloved, have you ever noticed that when we engage in a conversation with an unbeliever about God in general, just generally speaking about God, the conversation seems to unfold somewhat smoothly. But the moment Jesus Christ is brought into the conversation, the moment Jesus is brought into the conversation, the subject of the, of the conversation is changed or the conversation is ended altogether. Why is that? Why does the world find our beloved Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, so controversial. Why is it the world finds Jesus so controversial? Beloved, the unbelieving finds Jesus Christ controversial because as we will see from today's passage, he didn't come to bring world peace. He didn't come to bring world peace, but rather judgment. And therefore, Jesus divides. He divides men. Let us read our text once again, and then we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Read with me beginning in verse 49. Here Jesus says, I came to send fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on the earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son, 
and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Then he also said to the multitude, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there is hot weather, and there it is, and, and there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we ask you for your blessings upon the reading and hearing of your word. We pray that you would be so pleased with the reading and hearing of your word and with the worship that is offered to you this day. May you be glorified. In your holy name we pray. Amen. The idea that Jesus came to deliver world peace is totally unbiblical. Beloved, Jesus did not come to give us our best life now, as some would have you to believe. The Lord and Savior did not come to deliver us in this life from the troubles of this fallen, sin-sick world. Jesus came specifically so that we may have eternal life. That's why he came. He came so that we may know the only true God in whom and him whom he has sent. Jesus came to secure redemption so that it may be applied to those whom the Father has given to him, to those who believe, to those chosen before the foundation of the world. Jesus came to render the active and passive obedience necessary for sinners to be saved from the wrath to come. That's why he came. That which Jesus came to accomplish on behalf of those whom the Father has given to him. Required judgment. The judgment of sin. The judgment of sin is what Jesus is referring to when he says in verse 49 through 50... He says, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. And so the fire that Jesus is speaking of is not a literal fire, but rather judgment. Judgment. Jesus came so that judgment of sin may occur. The baptism that Jesus speaks of is his baptism into death, death on the cross, his crucifixion. I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. The weight that Jesus was carrying was heavy. The weight that he was carrying was unbearable, humanly speaking. Jesus knew why he came. He came for judgment of sin. He didn't come to bring world peace, 
world harmony. And as we will now see, the judgment of sin that Jesus came to deliver does not nor ever was meant to deliver world peace. Jesus didn't come to deliver peace and prosperity among men. Do you know what that means for all of humanity? That means humanity is no longer united in unbelief, headed headlong toward a final judgment and eternal damnation in hell. Fallen humanity is now divided into two people groups. There are the saved and the unsaved. There's no third category. You're either saved or you're unsaved. You're either heaven-bound or you're hell-bound. You're either forgiven of all your sin or you're condemned because of your sin. Either you've been born again or you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Either you love Christ or you hate him without a cause. There are those who possess saving faith in Jesus Christ and those who don't. There are those whose heavenly father is is there are those whose father is the heavenly father and there are those whose father is Satan. And there are those who belong to the family of God and there are those who belong to Satan's family. Beloved, Jesus divides. What does Jesus go on to say in verse 49? Well, we'll, we'll begin reading in verse in, in verses 51 through 53, but we'll begin with verse 49. Again, he says, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I, gave, that I came to give peace on the earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, Three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Again, do you suppose that I came to give peace on the earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two, and two against three. Father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Beloved, many during Jesus' earthly ministry believed that he came to bring peace. Beloved, As today's passage of Holy Scripture makes abundantly clear, Jesus did not come to bring peace, but division. Jesus divides. But pastor, Scripture clearly tells us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That he is the Prince of Peace. Yes, Jesus does deliver peace between men and God Almighty. 
He does deliver peace between sinner and God. He reconciles them to God. He brings peace between God and man. Jesus came to divide humanity into two families, the family of God and the family of Satan. Jesus came to qualify some to be members of God's family, the body of Christ, thus delivering them peace between them and God. Jesus divides. And so unfortunately, division occurs within the process of Jesus granting eternal life to those whom the Father has given to him. Division occurs when a person believes. The division occurs is deep, and it even touches the most cherished of relationships. Husband, wife, son, daughter, mother, father, sister, Brother, grandmother, grandfather, cousin, nephew, niece, etc. The whole idea that some have today that, you know, if you just accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your marriage will be beautiful. Life will be fine. If you just Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The issues in your family, they'll be in the past. Life will be so much more easier. That's a lie. Oftentimes, when a husband or wife or son or daughter or father or mother grandmother or grandfather, cousin or nephew or niece, etc. Oftentimes, and as scripture testifies this morning, when a person believes in Jesus Christ, division occurs. Controversy manifests. Beloved, being a follower of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is divisive. Being a Christian eventually results in division at multiple levels between us and unbelieving family and friends. You see, as Christians, we understand that our chief end in life is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is our goal. That is our purpose. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We understand that. In all that we do, we seek to honor God and enjoy our personal saving relationship with him in and through his son, our beloved Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is an unfortunate truth. We wish it wasn't true. But the unbelieving world doesn't share our chief end. The unbelieving world doesn't desire to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It doesn't share our goal in life. The unbelieving world really wants nothing to do with Christ. The unbelieving world really wants nothing to do with the things of God. 
the unbelieving world does not understand nor believe that they are sinners in need of the Savior. And as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, the unbelieving world is not interested in the least in seeking God. The unbelieving world is dead in its trespasses and sins. And so when it hears the gospel, it is offended and realize that they want little to nothing to do with Christians. The body of Christ, the church. The unbeliever tends to be more willing to have a conversation about God in general but the moment Jesus Christ is brought into the conversation, they either change the subject or they end the conversation altogether. Beloved, Jesus is, is he divides. He divides. What does Jesus go on to say, beginning in verse 54? Or what does John record for us? Then he also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather, and there is. Hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Beloved, by simply looking at the sky and the leaves and the trees being blown by the wind, we can, we can with pretty good accuracy understand the kind of weather is headed our way. If we can make such observations and determine the kind of weather that is headed our way, shouldn't we be able to likewise observe the time in which we are living today? Jesus Christ has come and he has successfully secured redemption for all who believe. In having secured redemption, the Father is drawing sinners to himself through saving faith in his Son, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as a father continues to draw all men unto himself through saving faith in Jesus Christ, the division between the saved and the unsaved will increasingly grow. As a father continues to draw sinners unto himself through his son, Jesus Christ, the division between the saved and the unsaved will increasingly grow, and, the division, and, and as the division grows, beloved, so does the hostility between the church and the world. Beloved, Jesus divides. He is dividing men. There are those who are his and there are those whom he will say one day, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never 
เนื้อเยื่อ And beloved, this division is not only happening outside in the world. This division is happening within the church, within the professing church. And it's not only happening within the professing church, but it's also happening within the educational systems of mainline denominations. I have a friend, Hebrew scholar, taught for many years, decades. Hebrew scholar, Southern Baptist Seminary. And he was pushed out of his position. He was pushed out of his position because of his refusal to accept the woke Marxism that has found its way into the seminaries. And I learned yesterday. I was. Anna and I was talking about it this morning. I learned yesterday that my friend, my professor friend, Hebrew scholar from Southern Baptist Seminary, who was pushed out of his position because of the woke woke Marxism that found its way into the seminary, he has a friend in the Lutheran Missouri Synod, pushed out of Concordia because of his stance. Against the woke Marxism that has unfortunately found its way within the educational system of the Lutheran Missouri Synod. The division is not only happening out in the world; it's happening within the body of Christ, the professing church. Christ divides. He divides. He is dividing. Beloved, the entrance of Christ into this world divides in two, splits apart, as one commentator says, cleaves asunder, and so, in doing, turns one person against the other. And he goes on to say, faith not only creates division between one race and another. There is no. In, in, uh, let me finish this quote. Faith not only creates division between one race and another. One people and another, in one church and another, but it even brings about division in the family. In fact, often the most, in fact, often the sharpest division of all that occurs is within families. But I just have one thing I want to say about this, this quote, where he refers to race, uh, where, where he says, "Faith not only creates division between one race and another." There's no such thing as race. There's no such thing as race. It's a lie. It's something that was made up in order to conquer and divide peoples. There's no such thing as race. There's only the human race. Amen. The human race. That's it. Only one people, one blood, one people, and from those people, from that one people, from the human humanity, there's 
those who belong to the family of God, and there are those who belong to Satan's family. And so we end where we started, beloved. The idea that professing faith in Jesus Christ is the cure-all for all of life's problems is an unbiblical idea. Trusting in Jesus Christ as one's only Lord and Savior, more often than not, results in division, results in controversy. Division between the Christian and their family members, division between the Christian and their friends, division between the Christian and the unbelieving world in general. While Jesus does indeed unite all those whom the Father has given to him, while there is unity in Christ, and as a church, we do, and we pray all the time, and we do pursue the peace and unity of our church. While there's unity in Christ, he creates division, a necessary division, between those who are his and those whom he does not know. While Jesus does indeed unite, he also divides. I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on the earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Then he also said to the multitudes, <clears throat> whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather. And there is. Hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? Beloved, it is beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are living in very interesting times. Division is occurring. Judgment is unfolding. Let us be mindful of the time in which we are living. And let us be found faithful. And let us not shy away from being controversial. Let us not shy away from from being faithful followers of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, pointing sinners to saving faith, telling them of their need to be forgiven, warning them of the wrath to come, praying for the peace and unity of our family of faith, praying for the body of Christ universal, praying for the faithful men who are standing up and refusing to bow down 
to the Marxism, the wokeism that has found its way into the church, that is wreaking havoc in the educational systems, in the seminaries, and in the colleges and universities. Satan is busy. He is busy. And one of the unfortunate realities of the unfortunate compromise that's happening with that that has happened and is happening within Concordia is that that this professor in this interview he said that the Ann Arbor campus is going to be is going to experience huge cuts in funding. And so Satan is just having his way. It's just having its way. But we know, but we know because scripture tells us that the church of Jesus Christ, the gates of Hades, shall not prevail. Amen. The true church of Jesus Christ, those who truly belong to him, will never, ever be overtaken by the evil one. By the evil one. The real battle, beloved, the real battle where that's happening, it's in the local churches. That's where the real battle occurs. Let us always be found faithful. Jesus divides. And praise be to God that we are on the right side of history. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for qualifying us to be members, to be citizens of the kingdom of your dear Son. We thank you for saving us from the wrath to come. We thank you for opening our eyes to the truth, giving us life eternal. Help us always to be faithful, proclaiming Jesus Christ and him crucified, pointing sinners in a most loving and patient and, 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 and purposeful way, knowing, realizing that the gospel itself is already a controversial subject, that it is already an offense. And so let, let us not add to the offense, but let us be patiently, lovingly, and persistently pointing sinners to Jesus Christ in hopes of you granting them saving faith in him, rescuing them from the wrath to come. In your holy name we pray, amen.